Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, badass rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, Pat Hybin. Okay, go Bundes Brothers, it's time to grab life big and put your money where your mouth is and get signed up for some bucket list adventures in 2017. Here's the BLR, Bucket List Rundown. Indeed, Mr. Smead, the first thing we got going up is Snowwater, British Columbia, hella skiing. The guys that went last year said it was un. Freaking real. Unreal. March 15th to 20th, Snowwater, British Columbia. Then we got a champions only couples trip. If you are a champion, which by the way is 5 million net worth. Is it five? Yeah, I believe. 5 million net worth above. Napa Valley with your wife. Napa Valley wine tasting with your wife. April 20th, 23rd. Then what I got, uh, I also got another champion self-reliance trip, which is uh, hiking the Appalachian Trail at the very last uh, five or six days of it, Mount Katahdin. That's in Bangor, Maine on June 7th through the 11th. Then we got August 17th to 22nd, we got a special fan abundance, Jackson Hole, Wyoming solar eclipse. Bring your kids and let them learn about the solar system. More specifically, the solar eclipse that's going to take place and uh, they may never see it again. You may never see it again in your lifetime. Solar eclipse is going to happen on Jackson Hole, August 17th to 22nd. Then we have South Africa, baby. Yes, South Africa. Man, that is bucket list item crazy. You got like seven or six or seven bucket list items on there. Swimming with the sharks. Of course, safari. The volunteering in, in Cape Town, in the ghettos of Cape Town. Just incredible trip planned on that. Uh, September 24th through October 4th. And we're working on a, a the end part of that, adding a, a couples. If you want to have your wife fly down or your girlfriend fly down for the end part of that and a little special thing on the end, we got that working too. And then, of course, we got the GoBundance Elite Couples Trip in Placencia, Belize, in uh, a really nice, uh, probably a key right uh, off of Belize, in Belize, an amazing couple's trip that I, I heard amazing things. A lot of people last year said it was the best trip they've ever been on. So that is uh, November 4th through 11th. Any of these you want to sign up for, you know, reach out to Melanie and just let Melanie know, you know, you're in and she'll collect your money or Uh, shoot you in the right direction. So uh, thanks, guys, and uh, enjoy the show. Grab life big. Okay, go abundance, brothers. Are you ready to grab life big? I hope so because we have a great guest today, a good buddy of mine that I have known for 30, yes, 30 years. Amazing amazing mark swagger was on on the show uh, last week and you know i told the story about how him myself fish who's an m1 and pat cullinane all in the same fraternity 
at uh, good old Frostburg State University in West, Western Maryland. And, you know, Pat is now a Go Bunnets brother, has been for a while, and uh, he's got some great stories about his life and some great inspirational um, entrepreneurial things to share. So well, anyways, without further ado, Pat, What's welcome to Grab Life Big. Thank you, sir. Are you ready to be brutally authentic? I'm going to give it a shot. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't you tell everybody about yourself so they can get to know you? In what five you minutes, know? like the day you were born till okay. today, in five minutes. Well, the day I was born is a bit foggy, but they tell me it was in Spokane, Washington. I, we lived in Washington State until I was about 12, and I spent a lot of summers up in North Idaho in the Panhandle. Um, on my uncle's, he had a, like 130 acres up there and that's where I kind of grew my love for the mountains. But we moved to Maryland when I was 12 and, uh, that's basically where all my formative years took place. I, um, touched my first boob there. I saw my first boob there, you know, all the important stuff. Um, and, uh, so when people ask me where I'm from, I usually say Maryland, uh, but I was born in Washington state. Went to college, like you just mentioned, at uh, Frostburg, which is the launch pad for entrepreneurial success. <laughs> and uh, that's where I met you, and that's where I met Mark and Fish, as a matter of fact. Uh, second time the launch pad asked me to leave, I uh, moved to Utah in 1989. I uh, just wanted to get back out in the mountains, and it was a good way for me to extend my, uh, my college uh, party in years, is the way I saw it then. And, it's a uh, hell of a place. Couldn't you pick like Los Angeles, California? <laughs> you pick Utah. Well, so the first time the launch pad asked me to leave and uh, take a semester off and clear my head, my sister was living in Park City, Utah, and so I went out and visited her for a few months, and I really liked it. So the second time around, when they thought I still needed some more head clearing, I uh, just moved out there for good. And yeah, so I started my first uh, business in 1992, which I sold in 1995 but i didn't really know what i was doing and uh later on found out that i sold it for about 10 percent of its value <laughs> wait, met, wait, met, wait, <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> you know slow that one down so what what can we learn from that what happened uh i had a partner and he and i like got in a fight <laughs> i mean a physical fight in the uh in our offices and we were like rolling down and pinned against the window and to this day he'll tell you he kicked my ass but i i know better but he, uh, he's like, I'm just going to buy you out. And we just divided all the assets and everything right down the middle. And he gave me a check for like 60 grand or something, which is a shit ton of money for me because I was, I don't know, 26 or something. And I didn't really know what I was doing. He sold that same business two years or three years later for 2 million. Mm. In fairness to him though, he grew the shit out of it after I left. I guess I get out of his way. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway, what well, we can so learn from that So you took 60 is, and it could have been if you had just. Stayed out of his way and let him do it the way he wanted to do, which is always hard for any entrepreneur to do. You could have yeah. got one and a half mil. I probably could have got one million, yeah, because it million. was 50-50. But yeah. we, you know, even at three times revenue, which I didn't know anything about any of that. I didn't consult anyone. What we can learn from this uh, is always, 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 I mean, I, you know, find a mentor, consult mentor, consult anyone that you can about anything to do with business, especially if you don't know what you're doing, but. I thought I knew everything back then. Yeah, so. ask questions. Always get, you know, never be afraid to spend money on lawyers, you know, business coaches, yep. accountants, <laughs> things like that. 
All right, so 26, you got 60 grand in your pocket. You, you've hit the big time. Uh, what did you do? <laughs> I went back into construction. I met Sam in 1995, and uh, we were married six months later in, in June of 96. Yeah. Uh, she, already had a, she already had a son at the time, and uh, we moved to Kansas City, Missouri later that year and, and had uh, my daughter Claire one year after that. We bought a... 10 acre farm in Kansas city is kind of easy place for us to start out. Cause the cost of living there was so much cheaper. And I started my next, um, I, I went through a couple of different smaller businesses as partial owner. Um, but I started my next larger business in 2004 and went through several partners in that. And that's in the logistics and supply chain and consulting industry. And I uh, went through several partners and went solo in 09, and I grew that to as high as $8 million because we did a lot of revenue with our brokerage, but then the brokerage fell apart in 09. And I sold it last year. We were basically averaging about $4 million in revenue. We had about 60,000 square feet of warehouse, um, a full brokerage still, and do a lot of e-commerce fulfillment, pick, pack, and ship. But I sold most of that. Everything to do with brick-and-mortar employees I got rid of uh, last year. And I'm just doing consulting and software development now. Okay, so uh, a couple things. So, did you learn your lesson when you when you sold this second company, or was it your third company? That uh, was it your third or second company? That it's well, it, it's the second one that I've sold. Yes, I almost screwed it up though. How so? I almost screwed it up. Well, in the beginning, when I was negotiating with these guys, I, um, you know, I was burned out. And I was just like, I just want to be out of this. I'm done with this industry. And uh, they came in with this disgustingly low ball offer. And, and I'm like, you guys aren't serious, right? And so it's, it's what's funny is this is just after I like signed up to go to GoBundance. And uh, I went to One Life. And I started thinking about it. And I've, I've had this epiphany once before early on in my marriage about passion. And I'm like, you know, the reason I'm burned out and the reason I don't have any passion for my business is because I'm not putting anything into it. You know, I'm not showing up every day. I'm just going there and expecting to get something out of it. And that's not how that stuff works. So I went back into that uh, business and just, you know, I'd walk into everybody's office. I'd smile. I'd ask them about their days. I just started putting a lot more into it. And, and, I, and I, the next meeting I had with those guys, I was like, yeah, I'm just not going to sell it. And they're like, what? We thought you were burned out. And I was like, yeah, I changed my mind. I'm not. I don't need to sell it. And I sure as hell don't need to sell it for the offer you guys made. And by the end, time we were done with that negotiation, the purchase price was six times higher than their original offer. So, Wow. Okay. Well, so it worked out well. So, all right, good. And uh, so now you're just doing consulting and uh, you're building a software, right? Yes. Third, second, or my third uh, software program. And now you have just a bunch of people overseas that are kind of coding, building this sucker for you. What's that like? No, I had, so I've, I've done this three times. The first time I did it, I had a guy in-house and uh, I paid him a, a shit ton of money to build this software program for me. And uh, then he lost his mind, stole the code and shut down the servers. And Jeez. so I had to start over. And you got some luck. <laughs> <laughs> Luck's kind of what you make it. It was my own fault, man. Oh, yeah. um, True. True. It wasn't my fault he went nuts, but it was my fault I was in that situation. Uh, the, so the second time around, I'm using India to do it. I'm kind of bootstrapping the thing, and I've built this program that's about 90% done, but it's all over the place because I've done it piece by piece and, and haven't really done it properly. Um, the third one I'm working on with Jack Crane, who just joined GoBundance, and uh, he's 
way, way better at, and will not let this thing be done wrong. So I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, great guy, Jack. Got to spend some time with him in the airport flying home and um, great addition to Grow Abundance for sure. Looking forward to, uh, I believe he's going on the uh, hiking trip to Mount Katahdin. So I'm looking forward to getting to know him better there. So you got all this going on. Tell me about, and you mentioned before you traveled out to Utah because your sister lives there. I know your sister's crossed over now. Uh, tell me about that. Well, she, so about, uh, it's actually Cinco de Mayo. So it was um, almost one month before our wedding. Um, she committed suicide in 1996. So, yeah, it sucked. Um, she was living up in, not Butte, but uh, Bozeman, Montana. And we all drove up there and gathered all our shit up. But she pulled the car over to a campground, fired the gas, uh, the the uh, the hose up to the old exhaust, and took a nap. So how how did you deal with that? Well, I, I cried on the way to Montana, and then she left me a note that was that was pretty uh, depressing. And no, it was hard. I I also I kind of moved on relatively quickly though. It's just I I don't know what it is. I just uh, there's certain things I know in my life that I have control over, and um, I look back. I was supposed to go out and see her over Christmas that year, and I just met Sam, and I didn't want to like leave town and let some other dickhead swoop in on Sam. So I blew off my sister, and and so you always have those kinds of regrets where you're like, man, I wish I'd gone to see her that last Christmas, but um. Other than that, I just, I, it's for me, it's like, uh, I, uh, I know it was a choice that she made and even though I'm going to choose, I can disagree with the choice, but I have no control over it. You know what I mean? So I wish she was around to see my kids grow up and be there for them and that kind of thing. But I haven't, I don't like spend a lot of time brooding over it. I just never really have. And, and then this was your younger sister? No, she was, uh, about. 20 months older than me okay so she was pretty i mean you guys were like a grade apart yeah i used to hit on all our friends and stuff it was <laughs> awesome so like what did this note say it it just talked about you know what her reasons were and that she knew i'd be a great dad and she was sorry that she was gonna be there for the wedding and that kind of stuff wow so it was it, it was you know she was conscious of you're getting married in a month and like, yeah, she was, she was supposed to go. Yeah. She was conscious of disappointing you. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, when you think about that, it, you know, obviously you're, 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 you got to be hurting pretty bad in order to kill yourself, but to do it like, you know, a month before somebody in your family's like one of their biggest days of their lives is, is means, I mean, you got to be hurting even worse than anybody knows. And to like know that, about somebody you love and care about and not, or to not know that about them and not be able to help them is, is tough, you know? Yeah. So you didn't know, like, I, I mean, like to you, like, right. Like most people, I mean, I mean, you, you know what I mean? Like, how did you, how did know, did your parents know? Did anybody know? No. I mean, I, I, everybody kind of in our, there is like a history of depression sometimes that people battled in our family, but, um, not that bad, you know? Right. So no, it wasn't like she was sleeping all day and, you know. Right. She was restless. She moved around a lot. You know, the grass is greener always for her, but, um, and, and she dated a lot of fucking losers, but 
that didn't help. And the, and the impetus for it was a guy, right? Pardon me? It was a dude, right? Didn't she break up with her boyfriend or something? And no, they, she was dating a guy that messed with her head a lot, but it, there was other reasons. It wouldn't, I wouldn't lay it all at his feet. I, he definitely didn't help her in the end, that's for sure, but that's all I'd lay at his feet. So how'd your parents handle it? Bad. They, uh, you know, I don't know what it's like to lose a child. I mean, it's like every parent's worst nightmare. So, yeah, they, um, they say the chance, you know, if you lose a kid, like you're, you have like automatically like a 70% chance of divorce after that. Yeah. Well, my parents aren't divorced, at least physically. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. So they survived that. That's good. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. That's, I mean, is there any advice you have for others out there that, uh, you know, have somebody that they've lost as far as, you know, ways to look at it and ways to move on? Yeah, you can't beat yourself up on what you did or didn't do. And and almost anybody that's been had a suicide with somebody close to them is they didn't see it coming. Nobody rarely, people rarely do. You don't have that benefit. And, uh, um, you're all, you're always going to have those feelings like, well, was there something I could have done or should I have noticed and that kind of thing. But you can't, it's at the end, in my opinion, it's a choice. They made the choice and, you know, regardless of whether you agree with it, there just isn't shit you can do about it. So, mm. um, the yeah. best way to, the best way to, to honor them is to just live a kick-ass life, you know, and remember them well. Yeah, you kind know, of like embody them into you and and say, you yeah. know, I'm living twice as twice as well for you. Yeah. Did did you save the note? Um, it was kind of a note to more than one person than myself, so I gave it back to my mom. I don't I'm sure she saved it, which is depressing in itself, but I, I if I had it, I wouldn't have saved it. Yeah, yeah. What would you just cuz it, cuz it's a bad like a it's just too weird. I, I would read what I read and I would get the message and yeah, just it's yeah, yeah it's I don't know why you'd want to hang on to that. Yeah, be, why would you? Why would I mean she didn't like blame she didn't like say I'm you know I hate you or I'm blaming you or anything like that. No, it was, it was all, more it was more apologetic and it was more explanatory. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, you know, and I, I, I that's what saves a lot of people from committing suicide. I think is that they don't have to let people down you know what i mean they worry about that's what the you know the professionals will tell somebody like the police if they see somebody jumping off a bridge they'll start talking about their family and be like you can't do that to them think don't think about yourself think about everybody else yeah my ego is way too big to commit suicide i I think about how (laughs) devastated everybody would be That's right. No, all the <laughs> all the sucky ass jokes that people tell, like Aitchison talking about, do you have yeah. dick do? And then you, if say, I yeah, if I die, <laughs> we'll be stuck with hymen jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, last time we were together, you told the joke about the three whales. Do you remember that? I never told that joke, but I got a feeling you're gonna. <laughs> have, you ever, have you heard a joke about the three whales? Nope. Well, well, well. Jesus, that is awful. Hopefully that gets cut out of this. <laughs> See, now, now, now you know now you know why you got to live, buddy. So let's, um, uh, let's get to some nitty-gritty. What percentager are you? 236. Sweet. And what is your net worth? 1.25. And what is million. your horizontal income? Two, well, the last two years, it's 
it's an average about three twenty. That's sweet. A lot that's of that's sweet. A lot of it's due to the the money that I, I'm getting. Your uh, it's like a staged buyout for the company. So I'm just going to clarify that my horizontal income is slanted a little bit because yeah, of that. Yeah, because so they get they they pack you a couple hundred grand a year as a staged buyout. Right. So did you include the full buyout in your net worth, or do you only include it when you get it? I only include it when I get it. So if they give you two hundred, then your network automatically goes up by two hundred. Net worth. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, and- no, actually, I don't. I don't include any of the buyout in my net worth. Sorry. Right. My net worth. My net worth is doesn't include salary, right? Does it? No, that would be yeah. your vertical income. Yeah. So-, so do you still take a salary from that company? No. Okay. No. Do you take but it? Do you have on- any vertical income now? Yes. Yep. I uh, about. Where's my one sheet? And this is money you just pay yourself out of your software development company? Well, no, it's it's I still do consulting, so oh, I okay. make vertical income from that. And uh, but the the consulting is kind of a double edged sword in that uh, in a good way because I can chop money down from both sides. But uh, I'll I'll go into an account and I'll I'll help them. You know, they spend millions of dollars a year on freight. My goal is to go in there on a gain share. Uh, situation and and get a gain share contract with them, which means that they don't pay me unless I save that money. And so I do a lot of work up front, and 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 then for the next two years, I just do a split on savings with them. So there's vertical income, but you know, for one account, yeah, that's let's say, cool. Yeah, you get. I might spend five hours a week on it and make you know twenty grand. Right. So that's awesome. That's great. I I like that. That's a smart way to do it. And then. Um, Okay, and I see that here. It looks like uh, you got about what is that? The hundred and sixty? No, that, that's included in the three oh seven. Right. Well, that was for two thousand fifteen. It's three seventy two in two thousand sixteen. Okay. Nice. And then, what's your life happiness index? Seven point six. Sweet. And well, actually, uh, seven point seven point six two. I think it's a little higher than Schweiger's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is your uh, what's your giving ratio? My give to income ratio is twelve point one nine percent. Wow, that's good. That's a decent amount. And you know, you did a really cool thing because you sent me your one sheet before the show started, and I clicked on it. And what he's done is he's added an additional page called a contribution tracker. You want to tell everybody about this? Yeah. So the give to income ratio is my idea. Don't let Moby tell you it was his. And uh, it was a. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the reason that I, I was talking to Tim about this a long time ago, but um, I'm I'm really big on that giving piece. It's it's one of my kind of passions is giving back. So um, when we're talking about contribution, I want to know you know I want to know the nitty gritty. I'm as much interested as what people are giving back, you know, as as I am and and their net worth and their horizontal income because I think that's cool, you know. So in order to track, anybody can throw a number up there, but in order to get that give to income ratio, there's a couple of different aspects of giving back. Uh, Schweiger mentioned on his podcast last week that, you know, what about raising money? Do I get credit for that? And I would say, no, you don't get credit for raising the money, but you get credit for your time that you're donating to that, Hmm. that cause. So if you, if you, if you spend 10 hours raising money, you can, right. Yeah. Exactly. And you're worth 250, you're worth 250 bucks an hour, then he should, claim 2500 bucks given back you know what i mean so like you've got uh so here what he, what he has listed out and 
he can share this. Uh, maybe you could share this on the, um, when this comes out, which will in a couple of weeks, you can share this on the uh, GoBundance Elite site. But what Pat's got written out here is he's got the contribution amount, One Life, YWCA, GoBundance, and Front Row Factor. And he's got, you know, ele- uh, give, give you an example. So for One Life, he's got 11500 cash donated, Time given 120 hours, and then what'd you do? $200 an hour? Um, well, I just, I'd take my, my vertical income and um, divide that by how many hours I spend to earn it, and yeah. that's just what I figure my worth is. So it looks like, so, it, to me, it looks like a $200 an hour factor. So he's got $200 an hour, and then he's got total $35,500. So, so the way he's done it is he's, he's, Total, if you add in front row factor, YWCA, you add them all in, he's got with time at $200 an hour and with cash money, he's got $45,400 donated divided by the amount of money that he's earned and therein lies the 12.9%. Right. Okay. That's the best way to do it. I, You know, we were looking for a way to figure that out. You know, because people do, you know, spend time. I know I do, and they're not getting credit for it with the give back ratio. So this is very good. I like it. I, I, I mean, that's about as logical as you can get with how to do that. So, so where does Pat Cullinane want to be ten years from now? The only thing I want to add to that is that we might want to do, and this is probably for another call. But um, once you deduct expenses, is we divide the number into it then, just because. That's really what your give to income ratio is because your income is what you have left to spend. You know what I mean? That's true. That's true. Anyway, 10 years. I want to solidify my horizontal income for, for my lifetime. In other words, 10 years from now, I, I don't, I'm set. In other words, I have enough, th- my, enough of my money working for me that I can sustain you know, my life and my lifestyle. I want to be able to travel the world with... Uh, no financial or time limitations. Sometime in the next 10 years, I want to write another book about the meaning of life. <laughs> cool. So, um, <laughs> did you, did you, so you wrote the first book on the meaning of life? <laughs> no. Wrote, we, we're just finishing up our book on relationships, but okay. I tell you what the meaning of life is in that first book. Oh, so. that's awesome. Yeah. So, while, while, while we're talking about that, by the way, let, let's talk about that because you and Swagger have something in common. You know, you both had, you know, what you felt were great relationships. And then, um, you know, it, it appeared as, or it so happened as it wasn't so great anymore. And then you had time away. Well, I won't tell the story. Why don't, go, can you address that a little bit? Yeah, no problem. I, um, so we're, our marriage is a, is a tale of, uh, two different decades, basically the first 10 years, uh, we kind of just stumbled through, that our relationship without uh, a lot of tools thinking, you know, we, it's just, we, we were kind of like everybody else. We we're just figuring it out as we went along and uh, we kind of ran our course and uh, started basically 10 years in, I think it was about two months before our 10 year anniversary. We split up, we separated and I moved out and it was good because I didn't have to buy our 10 year anniversary gift, but that was about all that <laughs> was good about it. You know, so and she actually took a foreign position with her job and went to Spain and started running uh, the HR for GM Europe. So the kids went with her. I mean, it was a 
big time separation in that we were a long ways off. And, and yeah, no uh, kid, kids, her moved to another yep. country. Yep. Yep. She got the hell away from my ass. Good um, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so the first I, mean, I did whatever you, you say, you can't do that. What do you mean? Like you can't take my kids away from me like that. No, we had we still had a good relationship. As far, I mean, to me, I looked at it as a great opportunity for the kids. They were able to go over, live in Spain, go to an international school. I mean, not, not many kids get that opportunity. I didn't want to be a dick about it and get in okay. the way of that. So okay, cool. That's um, that's fair. The uh, yeah, so I did what any man would do in that situation. I spent the first six months blaming her for everything, <laughs> uh, and. <laughs> Fortunately, though, I had a good conversation with my cousin who who kind of got my head back on straight and told me to start focusing on shit I had control over. And so I looked at, all right, what what caused this? What what role did I play in it? What of that? So what uh, what was the shit that I brought to our relationship that I I don't want to take into my next relationship? And I kind of focused on that part, those parts of myself. And the, the last six months, I kind of did a lot of work on myself and got myself to the point where I knew I was going to be happy either with or without her. And uh, I think when I told her that, she was like, whoa, you know, maybe I need to rethink all this. Because we'd actually signed, I signed the papers and sent them back to her. Um, so I thought we were almost divorced. And her lawyer never really filed them. So we ended up getting back together at the 11th hour. And... Uh, since then, I mean, she earned a lot, owned almost all of her shit. I owned almost all of mine, and we've just been growing ever since. And so, the second ten years of our marriage has been awesome. And uh, we kind of, you know, we we make the comment all the time that we're one of the happiest couples we know. And uh, so, yeah, that's great. Well, that's an awesome story, dude. I appreciate you sharing that, and uh, congrats on on doing that. That's, uh, that's awesome. And so, you know, and I've been with, with you and Sam together as a couple and you do make an awesome couple and you do, you know, really get along great. And so, uh, you've really pulled it off. So, and you know, it's, it's great to see that. It's great to see that I met your kids too. So, and they're great kids. So yeah. it's all worked out. So what, yeah, man. what pillar would you say you suck at? Well, right now it's probably age defying health. <laughs> Because I, I mean, I'm eating pretty good uh, when Sam's in charge, and uh, but the exercise thing, I hurt my knee, and then I hurt my shoulder, and I just fallen out of all of my exercise routines, and so that's the one that I, I probably suck at the most right now. Hmm. Okay, okay, fair enough. How can the Go Bundish Brothers help you? Well, I don't know. I've got two accountability partners and a GoPod, so they're all working pretty hard at helping me right now. The rest of the tribe can just start calling me a fat bastard if they want. Maybe that'll get to me. <laughs> Telling dick dude jokes like Matt A did that night. That was you. <laughs> <asshole>. <laughs> All right. What? What? Uh, so, what brings you joy? You know what? I I love I love to travel and I love to kind of give back and do things for other people. And so. One of the coolest things I've done in the last year was I did the the couples trip, and that was awesome because I got to do both. So, yeah, that's it. The beach, beach brings me joy. The beach, the salt and air. Swimming with sea lions apparently brings me a shit ton of joy because I'd never done that before, and man, that was fun. So, so what what would you say the best vacation you've ever been on is? Um, probably the most meaningful vacation. I took my dad 
my number one on my dad's bucket list was Ireland. He'd been saving his points for years and years to fly first class, you know, over to Ireland. And, uh, he ended up burning all his points to go see my brother in Ecuador. And so he'd kind of written that off. But last May I took my dad, I flew him first class to Ireland and he and I spent nine days kind of touring around over there and, and taking in the country. It was, and we went to our, um, original Cullinane family homestead over there in Ireland and met the people that still live on it. It was pretty cool. Oh, really? Were they Cullinanes? Yeah. 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 yeah the Kerrygold butter, baby. They, they, uh, they sell their milk to those people. Really? So all, they all grass fed so, <laughs> bulletproof. That's right. So did they, um, like welcome you in and be like, they're kind of long last Cullinanes from the United yeah. States. Yeah, yeah, they're like, yeah, some of you guys show up on our door like once every two years, but <laughs> yeah, they we sat in there and shot the shit with them for like an hour and a half. It was awesome. They showed us the whole farm and how the homestead used to look back in the day, and that that deal was pretty cool. And so, what was that like for your dad? Oh, he loved it. He ate all that stuff up. He's big on that. And as that was so, that was like a bucket list of his, and you know he couldn't afford it, so you were able to you were able to make that happen. What'd you pay for that, for that, to create that memory in your life and in your dad's life? What'd that cost you? It was less than 10 grand, but it was probably, I mean, I use a lot of points and stuff, so I don't really pay too close attention. I know I spent less than five grand in cash. So that's great, dude. That's great. I love that story. And in right. his defense, he could have afforded it. He just kind of had a vision of how he was going to do it. And that fell apart. So plus my mom told him she didn't want to go. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he probably would have never went if he didn't say, "Dad, it's it's a right. done deal." Yeah. Okay. So, what are the top five items on Pat Cullinane's bucket list? Uh, I want to. Uh, I I've kind of been looking at Sprinter van motorhomes. I really want to buy one of those things and just uh, we're we're talking about putting our house on Airbnb and then if somebody rents it, we just get in the Sprinter van and go somewhere. Cause I can work from anywhere and so can Sam. So we're, I, I might want to take advantage of that while I'm still somewhat young. Um, I, I'm going to live in Mexico for two months this winter. I, I want to do a bucket list trip with my mom in the next 12 months. I've already been talking to her about what she wants to do. And I put this on my bucket list. Also, I want to find a $1 million donor, one person that's going to donate more than a million bucks to one life. I don't know how the hell I'm going to do that hmm. yet, but yeah, put it out there in the universe and uh, see yeah. what happens for sure. I mean, that's how you do it. So, so what about the the two two months in Mexico? Go back to that. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I put a deposit down on a place um, earlier this month in uh, La Paz, Mexico. I'm gonna I'm gonna rent a house there, and we're just gonna kind of it's in uh, Baja, California, and we're just gonna uh, we'll probably drive down, which would be awesome. And then we're just going to live there for a couple of months and decide if that might be a place we want to buy a house, La a residence. La, like, um, but it's in Mexico, right? Yeah. So Baja, California. It's all the way down on that. It's it's like an hour and a half from Cabo. So, but you would be a. Um, do you have to get Mexican citizenship to to stay there beyond a certain amount of time? Or I don't think so. I know a bunch of people that own houses down there, and none of them are citizens. And I don't know that we'd live down there any more than maybe four or five months a year at the most. And and so, what's it like? Is it on a cliff? Is it? It's in the city of La Paz, about a block from the beach. Well, the yeah. And it's I a, tour, it's at, a I, tourist town. I don't know anything about La Paz, but you know, some people listen and are like, "Fuck, what if he gets kidnapped?" 
and they, yeah, they, they go to go abundance for ransom. Don't they do that shit in Mexico now? Not anymore. Not on the Baja side. Now, on the on the mainland side, there's still a few sketchy areas, but kidnappings are way down. We feel pretty good about it. All right, I guess we could always do a crowd, a GoFundMe or something on Gabundance. Might raise a couple grand, but the yeah. bastards ain't getting a couple million out of us. That's for sure. Well, all right, let's see. Uh, <laughs> we'll say, hey, we got his one sheet here. We can, uh, we can. Yeah. Uh, anyways, all right. Uh, so eventually, I, I have on my list. I want to buy a house on a beach and a cabin in the woods and go back and forth between the two. That's kind of our dream. So. Wow. So uh, let's talk about rock and roll albums. Pat Cullinane, the rock and roll star. What are your five greatest hits, Pat? The five greatest hits of your life so far. The uh, marriage meeting and and marrying Sam. Birth of uh, I've got birth of my kids, but I was only there for one of them technically. Um, almost getting divorced is one of the greatest hits because of what we learned and how we were able to strengthen our relationship out of that. Mm. Um, taking my dad to Ireland was pretty special. And I had a little hard time with this one, actually. I was, you, you sent me the cheat sheet on the questions you were going to ask, and I, uh, I just sat here for like 20 minutes. So uh, apparently, you know, I already mentioned it, but I mean, every time I think about it, it was super cool. And I've actually, we did this on the couples trip where we went and we swam with whale sharks, and then we swam with sea lions, and then Sam asked me what I want to do for my 50th birthday, and, and we went back, and I swam with those sea lions again. It was so much fun. So <laughs> You did. You went back like two weeks later, right? I went back a couple months later, but yeah, <laughs> they're like funny. puppies in the water, man. It's like playing with puppies. It was so fun, but maybe someday you'll there. have one, right? I guarantee you, there's a lot of other shit that was probably a greatest hit other than that, but that was all I could think of in a crunch. Yeah, no, that's five. That's all you need, buddy. That's five. That's awesome. And you got your five future greatest hits, essentially, with your bucket list item that the, that you ran off. And I, uh, I, there's some good shit on there. So, all right. So let, let's go back to some money a little bit here. So, what are you investing in now? Uh, weed and booze. Weed and booze. Okay. <laughs> Tell me about that. Um, yeah, technically it's true. I've got, I'm looking at a couple of different investments uh, as far as cannabis oil and the medicinal side of uh, the marijuana industry. I think there's a big future in that. I mean, it's, I know I'm a little late to the game for, as far as some of it goes, but, and I'm waiting for the right one. I've, I've looked at several different ones. One of them you and I even talked about, but you didn't do that both, one. No, nah, I didn't do it. I don't mm. know why. I just couldn't pull the trigger. So, mm. that I you know, it's, it, it, no one knows if you're late or early. It's a great conversation. Because I thought I was early. I thought I was early, and you know, I'm not having much luck with my weed investments, of which I have four. And so, I don't think I'm late. I don't think anybody's late. I think that it has to go through a transition where there's going to be some mortalities there's going to be some devastation before it gets to you know some people making tons and tons of money and i don't know who's going to do it you know but someone will it just as long as as long as the feds can hold that we can swoop in and take everything over your head there's always that giant risk so i guess everybody that gets in before the feds lift their um thumb off of it is going to be early and everybody afterwards is going to be late. Yeah. And, and yeah, right. And God knows with Trump now, it's a whole nother, I mean, it's a whole nother equation. Like the risk factor has gone up, not right. down, you know? Right. Um, so, hmm. so it'll be, it, it'll be fascinating uh, to watch for sure. Okay. The booze, uh, the booze, the booze side of that investment is I have uh, an opportunity to buy some real estate that has a bar on it in Heber, Utah. 
they need investors. And I, I said, oh, I'd like to invest in the real estate because the real estate I think is worth what they're asking for the bar and the, the property. So, um, and so I'd buy that and then lease it back to them. Okay. But that, well, that's where taking, the money's at. Taking, so what's, what's something yeah. like that cost? Well, the, what they're selling the bar for is, uh, only like a half a million. So my investment in that is just 25% as far as the real estate goes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'd much rather be the owner of the commercial building than the owner of the restaurant. I I've known several people, one who I just spent time with last month who basically lost his life savings investing in a bar, you know, which he thought would work, but you know, that that's a tough gig, you know, owning the actual (laughs) restaurant. And, And you know, if it's a tough gig, it's going to be a tough gig too. Not a tough gig. You'll probably get it rented out right away or if there's already a, a, a thing in there, right? You'll get rent collected right away. It's just a question of whether they can make it or not, you know? Well, it was the opportunity was brought to me by a guy, uh, two guys whose dream is to own their own bar and they've been in that industry their whole lives. So hmm. it's kind of a, it's, it's, and I know they want to remodel the whole place. So at the end of the day, I mean, I think they pay for that. Will they pay for it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's part of the, so it, it, it seems like a really solid deal. The only thing is, is it's Utah, and so the, there's a transfer of a liquor license, and there's a lot of due diligence that has to be done before that can happen, and so we're just waiting on whether or not that works out. Well, that, that'll that be fascinating. I, I mean, in an ideal scenario, you'd own a perfect little commercial piece, and you would rent it to a McDonald's, or you'd rent it to a, 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 you know, a Wendy's or a, a Ruby Tuesdays or something like that, right? Cracker Barrel, anything like that. Uh, that's a solid franchise or corporate-owned store. Yeah. The only thing I wouldn't do is probably build a retail strip mall. I hear those are real sinking turds. <laughs> Go! <laughs> Go! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we're 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 re um, we're doing good. We're uh, uh, anyways. I spent some time <laughs> in Texas trying to rehab, uh, trying to get ours back together again. We have uh, what what Pat's talking about. We have a David, Tim, and I have an eight store shopping center, and four are some essentially empty or no pays right now. So, but we're working on it, man. Things are looking good. Things are looking awesome. good. So, um, all right. What would you say the most brilliant day of your life was? Most brilliant day of my life. I don't know. I left that one blank. I couldn't come up with one on that. Sorry, that's all right. <laughs> what was the most brilliant? What was the most brilliant day of your life? Maybe you're a <laughs> You know, I think the most brilliant day of my life was probably my wedding. You know, it's a cliche answer, right? But I just felt like it was the first time in my life that I felt like um, everybody is here for me. You know what I mean? Like everyone is here because they love me and they they're happy for me and i felt like this a couple other times and 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 this may be an egotistical answer but my wife has thrown me two different surprise parties one at 35 and one at 26 of all ages and um both times i i really had this like overwhelming emotional feeling where i felt like this is amazing that all these people love me you know what i mean like all these people traveled here for me I was like completely yeah. overwhelmed, and I would I would say that was that was a brilliant thought of gratefulness. Like I was very grateful. Yeah. How you know what I mean? So my wife threw a, a surprise party for me at my 40th birthday. Um, it was an Irish wake theme. Everybody wore costumes, but people came in from 
Ohio, Maryland, I mean, all over the place. And I had no freaking idea. Uh, so that was a pretty cool day. But I would probably say uh, the birth of my daughter just because, I mean, that I don't, the feelings and, and just the overwhelming awe of that experience is, that'd be tough to like ever recreate. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I like the fact that it was a theme too. So um, I'm going to dig deep now into a question for you here. Now, I don't want you to fuck this up. This is um, people keep getting this confused. So this is a role play. You know what a role play is? Yeah. All right. So a role play is you don't talk in the third person. You talk in the first person. You're talking into the phone. Okay. And this is the real deal. And as soon as I ask the question, I am going to shut up and then you are going to give the answer. Any is this? Is this that airplane question? Yes, the airplane question. Hey, just for the record, I'll, I'll do your role play on this, but I read the question, and I want everybody to know that cell phones don't typically work at altitude, which is one of the myths about the 9-11 attacks. All right. No, wait, wait away, no, that's buddy. bullshit because, you know, <laughs> I thought there was a whole bunch of people that when that one that went down in Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, the, dude, the, the dude was on the phone with his wife, and then he said, let's no. do this, and everybody heard him. And then the whole the whole crowd, the plane, they bum-rushed the, the, up to the pilot's den, and they tackled the things, and they can hear them wrestling yeah. on the cell phones. That was the same plane that didn't have one shred of shrapnel left on the ground after it hit, but there were books that people were reading intact. Don't get right. me started, Hyvin. All right. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. It's called Conspiracy, Conspiracy Theories, Theories on Colony. <laughs> All right, right. so you have uh, some sort of phone that works, right? The kind that that goes, (laughs) that you talk on. I've seen them there, dude. All right, so um, you're looking out your window. Plane's going down. Smoke's coming out. I'm dialing the phone. You're dialing the phone. Captain says, brace for impact. We're going down. Massive turbulence. You pick up the phone. You got one call to make. Go. Hey, babe, this is Pat. Uh, I just want you to know how much I love you and the kids and make sure everybody understands that. And don't forget to call Amex because I think I got $2 million insurance because I paid for this ticket with my Amex. I got to go. <laughs> Always joking. <laughs> Always joking. Well, you, le- you left the world with a good uh, – uh, you left the world, I guess, with a smile when they didn't want to smile there. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so everybody forgets that there's a usually if you use your credit card when you pay for those plane tickets, there's a whole bunch of insurance on the back end of it. Is so that I right? Wonder, okay, just one reminder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, that's cool. All right, you ready for a spin of the GoBundance app? Sure. That wheel needs some oil, baby. (laughs) (laughs) All right. If the next stranger you meet was a psychic and they instantly read your mind, what would shock them the most? Uh, Let's see. Probably the incessant stream of clutter. In other words, trying to figure out what my actual thoughts are because they would just be getting bombarded with shit from all over the place. And that is a good cop-out answer, isn't it, baby? (laughs) (laughs) Well, in case other people listening think it was, I'm going to give you another one. All right. And I'm putting some oil on there. (laughs) 
<laughs> that sounds fucked up. Okay. All right. Uh, if the average human lifespan were 40 years old. Okay. okay. The average human lifespan were 40 years old. How would that change how you have lived or will live? Well, so that's an easy one for me because I, uh, I have this giant flaw in my history where, you know, in being around GoBundance and One Life and all these awesome people and people like you who have like seven mentors, you know, and, and are mentors for other people, but I've never really had uh, somebody that I could define as a mentor. You know, I mean, my dad would be the best example I could use, but all I did was ever argue with him. And same thing with my cousin, you know, and so. My cousin would be my mentor because, in, in some respects, because he taught me everything I know about building houses. But I would—that would be the very first thing I would change. Is I would go back and I would—I would be a sponge and I would seek out and find a mentor in my early twenties when I really could have used one, and then uh, duplicated that process over and over again in different different respects of my life. So, relationship mentor—you know—I mean, all the things I've done wrong. If I just had uh, or focused on finding more mentors along the way to help me with them. We could have taken so many shortcuts along the way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. That's a great answer. I mean, you would, you would have started getting mentors at 16 and just started, you know, every year adding one, I guess if you had to do yep. one thing, you know, one piece of advice, you know, but lucky for you, the average lifespan isn't 40 years. Nope. So you've I'm got a young, yep. You got decades and decades of fine mentors. So exactly. Some of my mentors now are half my age, which is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is weird, you know, but you can't make yeah. that weird. You know, I don't see that as weird, actually, because I'm the same way because, you know, I'm starting to get more and more in the like, like online shit and um, fuck, everybody's like 22. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> I, have this, I, have this, I have this joke with Matt Ageson that I think one of the reasons he and I get along so well is because I remind him of himself when he was younger. <laughs> yeah, he, he lies. Matt lies about his age, you know. He's yeah. He's everybody. Most people know that, but um, yeah. He's did anybody had, he's tell had him plastic surgery a couple times? Did anybody tell him that Bob's big boy's looking for his haircut? <laughs> oh, <laughs> <no>! <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! <laughs> uh, well, we're gonna have to get Matt on the rebuttal, rebuttal on that one, dude. Well, listen, man, th this has been fun. Thanks so much for coming on. I'm gonna put all of Pat's information on the show notes for this podcast. Uh, Pat, always a pleasure, brother. Looking forward to getting together with you in the near future. Yep, I'll see you in two days, buddy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. See ya. Grab life big.